0: described Frank Zappa doing "Oh in the Sky on Late Night Line-Up as one of Rock's great lost TV performances, only for it to appear on BBC Two that Saturday. I'm Tim Worthington, and joining me today to talk about some of the things that he remembers no one's ever seems to, is actor and musician Michael Livesley. Michael,
1: what are you up to? Where can we find it? Well, at the minute, what we're doing is I'm developing a show for the Edinburgh Festival, which I'm hoping to do in August, which is based upon everything that um, I've experienced and also my current weight loss journey that I'm trying to... Uh, I'm halfway through, and I'm going to call that Half the Man. And it's all about the search for a masculine identity, particularly when, uh, as soon as you're born, your dad dis- uh, discovers he has a thirst for travel to rival Michael Palin. So um, I was brought up in a house of women. So so there's a, there's a lot in there to explore. And um, I explored it in my stand-up, which you can see everything... At www.michaellibsley.com. So everything's there, and if you're interested in the uh, Sir Henry at and show, that's at sirhenrylibs.com. Which wasn't being clever, I just put Sir Henry Lives. My mate thought, oh, that's really clever. <laughs> you put Lives on the end to me and you, and I was like, yeah, that's right. I just thought, here we go.
0: Okay, well, we're hoping that whatever project you do next, it won't be a show based on the life of this character. <laughs> by Jackie Lee because I couldn't find the thing that, that this actually is and I really wanted to use it so Michael the Rupert Burr magazine with FlexiDisc yeah what
1: was this I'm not sure I remember <laughs> um as kids I remember when I was a kid my mum used to take me to my auntie Bet's for some reason which was in Billinge, and she used to take me there on I think it was a Tuesday for some reason and then one week, because I was absolutely obsessed with Rupert the Burr, that, the, the live not the live action, the puppety thing. Oh, the one with
0: the rackety. The rack, yes. Is he the yeah. stick-headed yes. thing? Yes. Yeah, 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 that yeah. thing.
1: I still get chills looking at that. Rupert was such a big deal when I was a kid. There used to be a Rupert magazine or a comic. I'm not sure which, but I remember being at my Auntie Bet's on a Tuesday, and I remember it either being delivered by a postman or getting it from the little shop. And it came with a flexi-disc. And I remember the smell of that more than anything, really. So it's sort of a combination of... Shepherd's pie cooking and uh, thick onions and this flexi disc thing, you know, it's kind of a, a very Pavlovian, and you'd be you'd be hard pressed to find that combination of aroma anyway, anyway. So I remember that now. As to the contents of the flexi disc, I'm not sure, but I know that you used to get them every week to collect them, or every month or whatever it may have been. Now that would have been about I'd have been about two or three years old at that point, so about 1975, 76 or something. So if anyone's got them, please write in. Yeah, I'm just
0: wondering what was on the flexi-disc because I don't know. I can't think of many audio Rupert Burr adventures. They didn't they never a did big finish of no. him, did they? No, <laughs> but, that's a good but, idea though. Isn't but, that an idea? But there's the theme song, there's a dreadful cover of the theme song on that children's TV favourites album. oh that they were, that
1: awful right. weird
0: version of Doctor Who with the burbling oh, moves. Oh on. my god. god.
1: I, those albums, when, mm. when you were a kid, because most of the Rupert burst stuff well most of the the books that I had as a kid came from jumble sales because we because we were poor like, you know. We used to go <laughs> jumble sales for all our clothes and stuff like that and, and so I would have the piss mercilessly ripped out of me at school and quite right too. And so, all the books that you got, the, all the Rupert books, I remember getting one one at uh, one jumble sale that was, uh, you remember when you used to back your exercise books in school? You were told to do this at the beginning of the year. So, you could see what wallpaper everyone yes, had in the front yeah, room.
0: You could never do the neat, there's always one kid in class who could do those neat folds on the inside. Joanne front, Ransom, please. damn <laughs> her.
1: She was amazing at it. And you could see that they obviously, because I suppose that there was a sort of one upmanship in the quality of uh, wallpaper. Mm. Yeah. That you put on the books, it was like, well, look at our front room, (laughs) you're not allowed in it, but look at what you could be looking at. So it was uh, a Rupert book, but it was sort of clad in brown paper. And of course, being a kid, when I got... (laughs) Is this like
0: the the early 70s poem Rupert? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, sadly not. But that's another thing. Do you remember on markets where you'd get your cheap Target books, Doctor Who books, you know, with a a groove cut in them because they were remaindered. And in amongst them would be all the ones with like women in stockings and suspenders and Stormtrooper outfits. (laughs) You're like, can I have this month? (laughs) No, you (laughs) can't. What was on the disc? I would presume, you know, who narrated
0: the TV series? As I understand it, that was made by... yeah. You know, there's this sort of whole myth that, you know, when Jerry and Sylvia Randers went into live-action, that was the end of the puppets. But all the puppeteers formed their own company. Okay. And they made that. They was made, here comes Mumphy and Clopper Castle. I think maybe the Munch Bunch later, but... Right. They made it, and I think it was a lot of the voice artists who worked on the Super Mario Nation okay. shows. Okay. Also worked on those shows. I could be wrong on that, but I've got a feeling that's the case.
1: Well, I mean, I had the single of Rupert the Burr the Jackie Lee one but no I've no idea one was on the flexi I presume it would have been you know Edward Rupert. <laughs> you know, it had been some little story. It was all owned by the Daily Express, wasn't it? Yes. The, the sort yeah. of copyright, the intellectual yeah. property of it. You know, mm. I never saw a Daily Express in our house. We never had that. We had the Daily Post. <laughs> and then the Sunday Post on a Sunday.
0: Was that the that the Scottish one? That the had, DC
1: Thompson. They had All Woolly, the
0: brooms, and right. Tick and Talk, the rollicking robots, the yeah. ones nobody remembers. Yeah. yeah, and
1: it used to also have articles in it. One of the uh, reporters was a cartoon called Horn. And there'd be yeah, there'd be pictures of sort of like um, you know a deck chair on holiday. Hon would send you a roving report from sunny Spain, and there'd be a picture of this cartoon guy in his shorts reclining <laughs> on a beach somewhere. But that's, you know, that's that's Scotland for you. That's the Dundee <laughs> way, I suppose.
0: I like to think because it still exists, I like I think it's still exactly the same. The Daily Post. I bet it is. Changed.
1: You know, certain Sundays when you're that hungover, you sort of, you know, you you're praying for your grandma's apron. You know, you know, you, I've I've been tempted to buy a Sunday Post. Far too <laughs> frightened to go into a shop in that condition, but I have been tempted to get one just to see what the fan section's like i'm sure it's still the same i mean dudley d watkins died in 1953 who was the original artist yeah so, yeah so some guy's been drawing them for a long long time <laughs> you know
0: have you ever seen the photo sadly it's only a photo of the persuaders meeting the rupert bear puppet and the scene. <laughs> no it's some kind of like press junket thing right and they're both like sort of meeting him it's just more a Tony Curtis thing I you can't imagine sure really what really Tony cool Curtis to thought yeah.
1: <laughs> but I would love to know and I, I think it was like a little book that you got you know it's like a comic or a magazine but for 1975 76 or whatever when you think about when, how in it's infancy merchandising was I mean I used mm. to I managed to get a Palatoy garlic off Ashton Market when I was about in the 80s you know it was one of them things that the box had gone faded they yeah. had it that long and it was too expensive was that the red one with the, the red one I rivalry, had yeah, uh, were yeah. black dots it was yes, and red yes yeah, yeah you will obey. <laughs> and that, again, had a little disc inside, yeah, didn't yeah. it? You pressed the top in. And so merchandise was so in its infancy, if you think about the size of Tom Baker compared to the Dalek, yeah. it was so off And the giant robot was probably i than him. I'm not, a canine was bigger than the Dalek. So, so no one had thought that through. So to have that in the early 70s is mm. quite, quite advanced, really. OK, well, moving on to your second choice now, which is a slightly more identifiable
0: book. But I don't think really I have a clip I can use for it. Here's something else. Memory banks indicate dimetrodon information confirmed by subject subject lives in land area known in viewers time zone as united states southwest region
1: information requested on sales structure on dimetrodon's back memory banks show no facts only theory
0: right well those are some facts about dinosaurs Mm. early 70s bbc saturday morning show outer space but Michael, were these facts better or not better than the facts you got in the How and Why Wonder Book of Dinosaurs? The How
1: and Why Wonder Book of Dinosaurs was ab The the paintings in it were lovely. When I was a kid, I had this thing called the Webster's Universal Dictionary. Was a part work my granddad got, and I used to have that and I used to go through this bloody thing all the time, and it was you know. This sounds like the saddest childhood in the world, but trust me. So, this gigantic dictionary, I'd have these dictionaries and um, encyclopedias and sitting cross reference, as I'm sure a lot of kids do, you know, because you get a word. Yeah. Sometimes the word would be in the Beano or something. The, word, the, the, the DC Thompson comics were quite literary, really. So, you'd go through all these books anyway. So, you'd, you'd learn about the sort of Cambrian period and the Tertiary period and all these sort of geological periods of history which in many cases, quite pleasingly, are named after uh, ancient British tribes when the Romans got here. So I had this sort of, you know, a kid's imagination. I had this this visualisation of a world before people, if you like. Yeah. Because you knew it was hotter, and you were thinking of the vegetation. I remember that people used to point at ferns and say, "Oh, they've been around since the dinosaurs." And the... <laughs> so, so you'd have this sort of you would built up a visual image of what a, a, a sort of Cambrian world was like, and the fact that it was hotter, and there were different this, and there were different that. And so, these paintings really painted that in vivid colours. They were great. The How and Why books. I mean, I'm sure it's all been thrown out the window now. Wasn't the one dinosaur that they? Built out of a few, really? Yeah, yeah. There's one that we all really know. I think that uh, I think it could be the Brontosaurus. I'm, I'm not sure because do we call it a Brontosaurus and the Americans call it a Diplodocus, or is it the other way around? Because it's the same dinosaur, that isn't it?
0: I'm going to go by the fact that the move
1: did the single cut Brontosaurus, so side of, calling it The B-side to of tonight, is Well, there's heavy metal being invented right in front of you. So that How and Why book really fired the imagination. I wore the bloody thing out. I mean, as you do, the pages are falling out of it by the end of it. And pleasingly, it's still in print, isn't, isn't it? it? You can still get it, yeah, yeah, because yeah, I looked for it a few years back. Because there was a whole series, yeah. was I had a look. There was... Amongst others,
0: Castles, Science, Civil War and Polar Regions. Oh, right. (laughs) Obviously, you know, every kid sits out and thinks, hmm, I wonder how and why Polar (laughs) Regions exist. But apparently the Dinosaurs one was from 1960. Yeah. Written by,
1: I think it's like Darlene Geese. Sounds Um, about right. I mean, it was another jumble sale job. Mm. You know, it came from a jumble yeah. sale, so it was old. As did the dumpy book of old cars. Yeah, I was going to say uh, that one. I looked up on Amazon because knew nothing about it. It you know was really
0: weird. Go on. It's got eight five star reviews <laughs> and one one star review.
1: <laughs> Who disliked that book so much as a kid? They've given it a one star review. God now. alone knows. <laughs> it, it was a lovely. I found one a couple about ten years back and bought it for me mate because me mate is as similarly obsessed with buses and old cars and and old things as I am. You know. And it was—it's—it's it's a lovely little book. I mean, the one mm. I had, I, I had pages missing and no cover. But this thing, it's got a lovely—I don't know if you know the, the Quiller Couch edition of the Oxford Book of English Verse. It's the classic nineteen oh eight one, you know, right. the one that Rumpole's always referring yes. to. Yes, and yeah. it's got these beautiful sort of blue covers, you know, more of a texture than a. Yeah. Anyway, so this thing is only, I would say, what a six little thing like that. And you go through it, and each page has mm. got, you know, uh, it's all industrial vehicles, it's buses, it's cars, and then it's got all the American ones, and then it's like it's got a section cars of the future, and and there's these, oh. uh, yeah, there's a couple of pages where it's just these rubbish things. What do they look like? Well, one of them looks like. Um, I'm trying to think now. They're all very... Actually, one of them looks very light. You know the car that Straker drove in UFO? Yes. And you see the yeah. model going across the landscape. Yeah. <laughs> I love them bits. Where it's like nighttime. They're like them, you know, sort of really boxy things right. that they think everything's going to look like. Of course, I suppose uh, aerodynamics were much of a consideration when that book mm. was written.
0: I was going to say, Bob, I mean, it's not quite the same with, you know, dinosaurs. But books like this... At that point, they were the only way you mm. had to find out about like old cars mm. or sort of things from recent history ah, yeah, that weren't yeah. documented otherwise. I mean, no. you know, obviously. A bit different with dinosaurs you know they weren't yeah. around in the 50s or whatever but yeah. yeah but
1: when you'd sit there like you know and you'd cross-reference that with mm. like an on the buses film or whatever it may be and you could sort mm. of not only see documentary evidence of i suppose what would have been at that time about five or six years ago <laughs> but but the world changes so quickly i mean you know i remember uh <laughs> this is going to sound ridiculous but anyway i remember when ford escorts you know All Mm. the Ford Escorts had round headlamps and then the next thing they all had square headlamps. That's such a minimal difference, I know, but it's a sign of progress all the time. And you kind of very, very quickly when you're a kid you become aware that things are changing. You start Mm. to try and preserve in aspic, I suppose, uh, the things that you grew up with. And I think Mm. that the whole nostalgia industry is built very much upon that wish to not only preserve what has gone, but yes. also to contextualise it in your yeah. modern understanding, really, isn't it? You know, everything changes and evolves yeah, all yeah. the time. You're not, you know, you'll walk down the same street for 10 years, yeah. but you're not walking down the same street and you're not the same person. So these books that documented recent mm. times, along with things like, you know, the encyclopaedia, I mean, those encyclopedias and my granddads were like the internet. And I think that probably explains why Wikipedia so popular and why I spend vast amounts of time on there which I shouldn't mm. but the past is fascinating isn't it?
0: Well I have a, quite a thing about you know the the weird look of London in the very late 60s early 70s you get captured in things like the outdoor sketches in Monty Python's Flying Circus here come the double deckers the persuaders things mm. like that it just looks completely different in a way that there's no evidence of around now I remember I know this is Manchester not London but the director of Life on Mars saying that it was the most difficult thing he's ever directed because he's done things set in the 1800s, and it's still easy to find buildings like the 1800s. Yeah, you cannot find anything that looks like Manchester in 1973. Right, and so things like that are only accidentally preserved in things yeah. like the Monty Python Freemasons hopping down the street. Yeah, yeah I was just thinking exactly a that. A car window last yeah. about three seconds. Yeah, but
1: yeah. Well, I think that there's a sort of nothing is built to last now. Mm. So I mean, and and that's you know, the things that were built in the 1800s are still standing. But, you know, we've seen only in recent times things that were built in the 70s and the 60s just torn down and things rebuilt. So I think that with architecture now, it is more of a transient thing, really. Mm. I don't think things not only are they not built to last I don't think they're meant to last.
0: Right, well I know there are plenty of books documenting the changing face of crisps out there including one co-written by my previous guests Steve Berry and Phil Norman. And here's a brand that I completely forgot about until you mentioned it so let's just hear one of their adverts.
1: Keep your hands off my Murphys, Robespierre!
0: Once you've tried a Murphys crisp, you won't be able to keep your hands off them.
1: He just can't keep
0: his hands off my Murphys. Because, quite simply, they're an unfresh. So (laughs) you keep
1: your hands off my Murphys. My husband can't keep his hands off my Murphys. As you rule. Yeah. Well, no one's gonna get their hands on my Murphys. Know what I mean?
0: Murphy's crisps are so fresh you won't be able to keep your hands off them. Okay, well that was TV's Gary Holton being, what else, a punk? To advertise Murphy's crisps.
1: Michael, tell us more about them. I thought, and this is my memory like my memory of Murphy's crisps were they were eight pence and I used to get them on the way home from school as a very greedy young boy who grew into a greedy young old man. So I remember Murphy's crisps, we used to get on Wednesday, we used to have a, a guy coming round called the Margie's Pop Guy I think every town had their own instantiation of the pop man who yeah, came Yeah, we round. had Alpine. Alpine, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and, and you know, all the different areas of the country had their own bloke who come round in a wagon on a Wednesday with the crates of pop. The lime cream soda is the one that people love because you mm. can't get it anymore. No. The green colouring being banned many years ago <laughs> because it's so dangerous. And anyway, what he did as well was he did like clear bags of Murphy's crisps, and I just remember they had a little potato on the front, and he had a, a union yes! <laughs> hat on. Uh, and no doubt he'll be the next one blamed for Brexit, <laughs> as 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 uh, Blur were in your fantastic article. <laughs> So, yeah, they were uh, the usual things. Beef and onion, which you don't see anymore. No. Cheese and onion. Crucially, cheese and onion being in the correct green packaging. I know that uh, walkers think that it's clever to switch <laughs> the blue of salt and vinegar around with the green of cheese and onion. But onions are green, as Booker mm. T and the MGs would, uh, would have you know. No, Murphy's crisps were, I think, one of the ones that walkers will have swallowed up because very early days walkers crisps had the murphy's packaging and also near us you had clock face crisps which were a st Helens delicacy and only sold clock face <laughs> clock face in st Helens. you don't know that place no as in the face of oh, pit I, 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 I know face. the clock face I do clock face crisps yeah clock but... face crisps yeah they were sold in the bold miners club which we used to go on a, a saturday and watch my uncle drink 16 pints <laughs> which uh, which was about he must right he was book that was he no. <laughs> no, but no. So crisps were very much a, a staple of our diet growing mm. up. I was never into sweets as such, though. You know, I could eat them with the rest of them. But ooh yeah, crisps and Margie Pomp, mm. bottle of lime cream soda, <laughs> and some Worcester sauce Murphys. Happy days.
0: Well, there were there did used to be all these different smaller crisp companies. Oh, yeah. That obviously you know even the bigger ones eventually like KP and Golden Wonder got subsumed into Walkers. But there were things like I don't I don't know how regional they even were. There were Tudor crisps. Tudor. had kind of, an advert that was kind of like the paper lads with I won't do the accent, but you know the kids say why I get us a canny bag of Tudor lads. Tudor
1: crisps. Tudor, Tudor crisps did a spring onion flavour. Yeah, oh yes. There, oh yeah. you're getting me hungry now. Uh, there was XL. XL
0: like the Prodigy's record label, but yeah. I think you see like classic goals in the seventies. Yes. Like an XL hoarding. Yes, or, uh, yes. Excel? Quintin's crisps, which were in the eighties. Quintins, Quintins. I remember.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember them? Hedgehog crisps. I do. Yeah. 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 I remember they were in bargain bins like very yeah. quickly afterwards. But that was something to do with that's life, wasn't it? That
0: yeah, they had to deny that it was actually they were actually hedgehog flavored. It was just a yeah, beer. that was. Then it. they tried to diversify with like sea salt flavour. Benson's crisps as well. Yes, they yes.
1: did a curry sauce flavour, which was yeah. delightful.
0: But the imagery on the front of Murphy's, there's that weird thing around that time, like when Phil Norman mentioned the Country
1: Life Butter Men on here, kind of a... They were like that.
0: being cannibalistic, yeah, like, yeah, urging
1: you to eat it. Like. Yeah, yeah, they were very like the Country Life Men, now you come to mention it. Yeah, I suppose that it's sort of very much... It's a more innocent time, and I know that's such a glib expression. So I think up until the early 80s, we had quite... It was quite a nice sheltered environment that kids who were born in the 70s had. So I think that we had a different mindset. I think that things were a lot more innocent. And I think that, yeah, a potato smiling. (laughs) You know, I I seem to remember in his hand he had like a trident. You know, know, as if he was pitching his fellow potatoes into the fat. You know, like a devil keeping charge on the side of a, a cauldron of hell. I could be wrong. But uh, my memory is of the trident, the horns. I think I've added in later, <laughs> and also crisp packaging. You know, mm. everything now is is full colour, isn't it? It's yeah. Like, you know, you forget when you had a I had a paper round as a kid, and the only thing like apart from the red in the Daily Mirror, everything mm. was black and white, yes. wasn't it? Yes. And similarly, crisp packets would be. You know, if it was a green crisp packet, that'd be your colour, you know, and black, Mm. green and black or whatever. So yet a more innocent time. The home pride men, I suppose, are another example of that. Mm. Everything changes so quickly. Here we are. There's only really, I mean, you walk to a shop now. What do you get? Like walkers who are owned by, isn't it the Frito-Lay company in America who own them? So yeah, I think probably all that's gone, hasn't it? All those little crisp companies. I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well,
0: you were saying that we were quite
1: shielded, but yeah. your next
0: choice makes me think that you might possibly trauma something that you weren't supposed to be. <laughs> I'm Mrs. Sharples. I'm very pleased to meet you. I'm a neighbour. Oh, you're a widow woman. Well, yes. <laughs> I thought so. I'm the caretaker at the Bad Tidings Hall. Oh, that's just across the street, isn't it? What's your place of worship? I don't really do much about it. Oh, I
1: know. C of E. Oh, I wouldn't sell oh, anything, Oh, it's like my really. sister's
0: husband. You know, he was made at the plumbing where they live, and it give her ideas. She said we're civic dignitaries now. We must head for church. Within a week, they were received, christened and confirmed within a fortnight. She was sitting up all night, so in surpluses, I'll take a packet of baking powder. OK, well, that's a clip of the great Violet Carson in Coronation Street. So, Michael, why are we
1: mentioning her? What we used to do on a boxing day was we'd go to me Auntie Bet's in Billing. <laughs> Again, Auntie Bette features. Auntie Bett and Uncle Jim. And we'd go there every boxing day, that was kind of the tradition. And I remember one boxing day, whatever we were watching, no doubt a Stanley Baxter Christmas special, which always I think was always on on Boxing Day, and they interrupted it with a news flash, and this is why it sticks in the brain so really? yeah. And and this was big, big news, I suppose, for all of us lot mm. up here in Granada land. And they interrupted it, bosh, news flash. Mm. And immediately, you know, after the Protect and Survive show's been on, it's like, oh here we go. Got three minutes to kiss your ass goodbye. No. Violet Carson has died and it was just like wow and it's just like, why are they showing Enos Sharples? Who's Violet Carson? Because those women, those Ina Sharples type women, they were all around us growing up. TV is make-believe, obviously. But I think back then, it had more ground. Maybe we had more of a society and a community then. But like, you'd get the, the Violet Carsons, uh, the Ena Sharples, the Ilder Ogdens, the Stan Ogdens, the Eddie Yateses. And Coronation Street was such a cornerstone of our life here. And also, it felt very much quite documentary. I don't know if you ever... Mm. I don't know what world you grew up in, I presume similar to myself, these women were were everywhere Yes, yeah, and very much ran things, Mm. you know, and men would collude in the illusion that they ran things (laughs) it would have been an enormous deal that Ina Sharples died Mm. you know, so I can understand that, and I just remember the relief in the room that we weren't having a nuclear war or something, (laughs) you know, because they'd interrupted a programme for a news song. so I think it was more about that to be quite Mm. honest with you, but it certainly sticks in my head, as does the, the really big thing, which I don't know if it gets mentioned, I've not seen it, heard it mentioned in years, was, do you remember the the Manchester airport disaster? Wasn't there a plane crash landed at Manchester in the mid-80s? No, see, people don't remember this. But I remember it was a big deal. It was like you know, Granada, so it was Manchester. And I seem to remember that it had something to do with Pat Seed's husband, who either got killed in the bloody thing, because right. Pat Seed was like, uh, you know, again this sort of figure almost was a sort of perennial fixture on Mavis in the afternoon. Maybe mm. if you remember Mavis, yes. yeah. and wasn't the one called Shelley Rode? who did a woman's chat show on the telly, kind of like a Possibly. forum. Yeah, yeah. Well, you've got to remember, I grew up in a yeah. house of women. Judy so Spears the... did one as well. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, yeah. in the mid-70s, you had Shelley Rode, who was a Grenada thing, and you had Mavis, I think it was called, Mavis Nicholson? Yes. And that was like a, a Thames thing, as mm. I recall. And Pat Seed wrote a book called One Day at a Time, which was from the perspective of a cancer survivor, and became a sort of uh, mm. a, a celebrity I don't know why I'm going down this road. Anyway, that's what I remember. I remember (laughs) the Manchester airport disaster very, very well. And I remember Violet Carson dying aside from that the news thankfully didn't really t- I mean the one thing I do remember is the news at 5.45 with Leonard Parking yeah. I always thought it had such a bold typeface yeah, I'm always into typefaces.
0: green hands typing yeah yeah <laughs> and it
1: was. And, and all the um, the news programmes had really good theme tunes do you remember the news at 10 one when it was going off did <laughs> yeah you got it and it was like a shot of the Thames Embankment wasn't it with all the lampposts and so you sort your childish mind would imagine the sort of foggy swirl of a London evening in the same way that you do when you hear the closing theme from Hancock's Half Hour the radio one you know you always imagine Piccadilly Square with all these taxi gaff and all that sort of imagery going on so I suppose more I remember the news and more I remember the telly really, was the typefaces and the tune if it was a good one. And also that five minutes on BBC One that you got for an Ivo the Engine or something like that. So again, it's more to sound pompous, the holistic experience (laughs) of (laughs) seeing these things and and feeding off the Mm. as a child, you feed off the emotion of those around you, don't you? So you pick up if something's scary or you pick up if something's Mm. this or you pick up if something's and so the Violet Castle thing was a lot of relief in the room because we weren't <laughs> about to have our eyeballs melted by strontium.
0: Well, the news flash that I really remember, that's really stayed in my mind, the whole big story attached to this, was the first episode of the tripods when mm. their mates be taken up into the tripod after have the, the mind control cap put on him. And that's when Will and Henry decide they, they're not going to be capped, they're going to run away. In that crucial scene, scrolling message across the bottom of the screen saying, now... I don't actually know, and I don't care whether it's William or Harry. They're, they're, <laughs> I'm proud of the fact that I don't know. But one of them would be born. And that interrupted oh. the scene. But for years, because yeah, you know, I've got this obsession with the tripods. So I still right. resent there not being a third series. And people always said, "Oh, what did it matter that interrupted that you were watching?" And then years later, a lot of those same people got really upset when it was like animated Great of Northern across that Doctor Who cliffhanger. Oh, and I thought, ah, <laughs> in your face!
1: Didn't didn't in the fur, in, in uh, roles which was. The first episode. Of yes, the movie. there was a. He talked over yeah, it, didn't he, yeah. Graham Norton? So he had previous. Yeah, I remember on the live <laughs> broadcast, it went out, and he was just like, yeah. "Oh, this, that, and the other," and, and then, "Oh, oh, oh, we on, and then it went on, <laughs> yeah. and that was in the cellar when the Artons yeah. got to life. Well,
0: brilliantly in the novel of Rose, D. Davis actually has her go past the TV
1: department, oh, and lovely. Graham Norton's on.
0: Hats off to him to be able to turn that into a minor triumph of storytelling. Russell
1: talent. T. Davis is fantastic. I, I don't care what anybody yeah. says about him. He is the greatest asset that mm. that series had. I think, you know, people mm. stay too long in these jobs because, only out of love. Yeah. But I think the first series uh, and even the second series, the only problem I had, to be quite honest with you, was I didn't like David Tennant as the Doctor. And when he used to his teeth all the time. It's like, oh, you're putting my teeth on edge. So that used to irritate me. What he did with that first series, and what a wonderful thing to put in the novelisation. I yeah, love, I love yeah. that.
0: But you've just reminded me of. I'm not saying because I think I don't think they would have had a news flash in the ITV region that he was in. But obviously, somebody who was paying attention to all these things, and obviously finding them anticlimactic or ridiculous or you know, interruptively scary or whatever was Chris Morris, because in the final Brass Eye, now I call it the final Brass Eye, I don't count the special, where it looks like it's the actual adverts and then there's a newsflash, complete with somebody knocking a microphone over yeah. about Noel Evans shot Clive Anderson, that must have been that was not a spontaneous great, that's not, you know, what a great idea he'd obviously been thinking since he was a kid I hate news flashes.
1: Yeah. Was when,
0: when, when, I, when I'm when i grown up and I've got a satire show <laughs>
1: yeah, the newsflash was so convincing, doesn't he have John Chalice or something, at yes, an it's, awards it's, what? what, whoa
0: <laughs> <laughs> he really believes it yeah, oh I have you ever heard on what his local radio shows when he used to do the spoof vox pops, the feedback reports, there's a guy called Sergeant Murphy who was I think he you know, he's got a very thick Irish accent. I think he was a retired military man, but apparently Chris Morris had vox popped him one day and he'd just come back with nonsense. He you know, right. he'd figured out that it was a silly question, he'd give a silly answer. Right. But he keeps box-popping him on things, just to right. see what he'll say. And there's one word, I've never forgotten this, it's about Barbara Streisand was playing the Albert Hall, and he says, you know, will you be attending? And Sergeant Murphy So I can't stand that man. <laughs> he's not married. <laughs> you know. and that I a... love the fact that rather than think this guy thinks he's funnier than me, he thought, yeah. I'm having him.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, he's a, a genuine one-off, isn't he? And, um, and I think that that shows because he was just doing it on local he was just doing it mm. and he couldn't not do it and I think that that is the mark of people who ultimately become successful it's like the Lemmy quote isn't it just keep doing what you do and sooner or later someone will take notice of you and and Chris Morris is a great example of that okay well moving on to your next choice now which I'm
0: fairly sure that I remember but I found no evidence of them anywhere online and I don't know what they're called and I'm hoping maybe you can give me some pointers <laughs>
1: What was the match? Do you know what happened next? Check your answers with the game's top stars. Brought together by Match Weekly magazine and a mastermind of soccer quiz. All the action's been recorded on disc. Part one is free with this week's Match Weekly magazine. Don't miss it.
0: OK, in the absence of anything else, going back to flexi-discs from earlier, that's a bit of a flexi-disc with several football players taking part in the game show, which I had when I was a child and I never got past the introductory music, never got any further than that. But this is more football of him around that time. Now. These football cards, Michael, were they kind of long, rectangular, yeah. stiff ones? Yes, yeah. they
1: were. What it was, was... Do you remember uh, Panini stickers for football? Yeah, right. Yeah. So you had your Panini stickers, which were great stickers, and and then the Scottish teams at the back were like half stickers, you know, because they're Scottish and needs to be kept <laughs> in their place. So you'd have stickers and everyone understood that. And I remember Football 81 very well. Again, like the XL Crisp lettering. And on the front was a picture of... Oh my God! I think oh, he was the football player bollocks. Can't remember who who cares. So we had, as all villages had, you've got your news agents. In fact, we had three news agents. We had George Shaws, we had David Shaws, and we had Smethers, I think the it was Smeathers Shaws. it? Shaws? Yeah. Well, the Shaws <laughs> were like a cabal in ADOC. At the top of the road, we had Shaw's news agents, David Shaw. Then you had Shaw's Chippy. Then you had Shaw's Wool Shop that his wife ran with her mum. David Shaw was an enterprising man, and he'd obviously noticed that football eighty-one stickers were going like hotcakes. Mm. So the next thing what turned up were like these football seventy-eight things, and they were cheaper. Mm. So you're like, oh, I'll try a couple of, you know, it's like it's like a junkie, isn't it? You know, so you'll take whatever the dealer's got. So anyway, these football seventy-eight cards. But again, you know, sort of like with old cars and old Mm. telly and everything, you kind of you mesmerized and hypnotized and seduced mm. by the kits with wider collars yes. and the bubbly permed Kevs <laughs> <Yeah>. and Trevs <laughs> and so you like you end up going back but these things came with a, a as big as the football card, mm. which had stats on the back about the player, you yeah. know, it had a, a, a rectangle of pink bubble yes, gum it did. that yes. came with them. Now, by 1981, this <laughs> bubble gum was rock hard and just snapped. <laughs> but of course, you still chewed the damn yeah. stuff. Of course, you know, manfully, you'd go on. But this gave me a bit of an obsession with old football and stuff mm. like Steve Copple was on the front of the football 81. Uh, anyway, so there you go. Because I remember my mate said, oh, my dad says he needs glasses. So I drew glasses on the (laughs) bar. Unbelievable. You know, you know. Unbelievable. (laughs) So um, anyway, this gave me an obsession with the Liverpool team of 78 because I'm a Mm. Liverpool fan. And I ended up with a competition in class uh, not well. Schools did, and it was to draw a cartoon of the Green Cross Code, you know, representing. Yeah. It. And I drew this terrible depiction of Emlyn Hughes with a very long leg, who by this time was playing for <laughs> Swansea City in a Liverpool strip. And over the top, I did this, uh, you know, commentator saying, "How's that for a Green Cross goal?" Anyway, I won. It's the only thing I've ever won in my life, you know. And so obviously, this this whoever judged it must have gone, "Oh, poor bugger. He mustn't see the football very often. Emlyn Hughes hasn't played there for three yeah. years." So, yeah, the Football 78 cards, Mm. you know, out of time, are very prescient in my memory. But one thing that I have never, ever, ever met anybody who remembers, right? Mm. And if anybody does remember this, I will be absolutely floored. You got, and this was in a shop opposite Earlstown Market in Earlstown, you got like a bar, like a fondant dark chocolate bar with a raspberry centre, which was very nice. Mm. And then in it, you got a little card we're back to the dinosaurs here <laughs> and you got in it a lenticular card i think is the right, right. word yeah right. a moving picture yeah, yeah and yeah. it had grooves in it as, yeah. as, as i think they probably have to mm. so they work i'm not sure and you turned it over and on the back of it it was like details about the dinosaur mm. and then when you moved the, the lenticular yeah. card you got the other image so it'd be like um it would be the stegosaurus and a mm. rhinoceros to yeah. show its modern day counterpart Right, So you'd have ah, that sort of thing. Right. And you turn it on the back, and there'd be a box which would tell you everything about the Stegosaurus. Well, as much as you could mm. squeeze into like three lines on the back of a cigarette card. And then everything about the rhinoceros as well. No, I've never, ever, ever, ever found anybody who ever remembers this bar. I do remember Football 78. Oh, I remember I didn't know them. They were called that. Because
0: what I mainly remember about them was the facts about... I mean, I hope they weren't comparable to the facts about dinosaurs, but the facts about football players on the back... For a start, it would have like little flags of where they played. They'd yeah. say like GB, yeah. SP, and there'd be all things like letters that I still don't understand, like KDR. What yeah. is Mad that? Mad countries. I still that And the other thing was there'd be a little bio of the, their recent form, which I'm convinced that's what inspired in the the book of Fist of Fun, the Lane Herring series. It's got a page of like mocked up football stickers <laughs> with like little bios about the player that's South Bedean's secret weapon and he burrows under the pitch and absolutely. Re-emerges and nuts the the goal.
1: It's one of those things that I think they're about a pound a packet, then things now, you know. Mm. They were 5p when yeah. I used to buy them. Yeah. Collecting's one of those things that. I think I'm on safe ground here to say that you've got that bug also. <laughs> so once it's in the blood, it's it's in the blood really, mm. uh, no matter what that takes. But facts are also a thing to collect and the dinosaur thing not only fed a child's grub obsession but... Also, was a, a feast for the mind. Um, and like I said, I would dearly love to know what they were called. Somebody
0: out there will know that. I've found that. I mean, there's very few things we've not identified so far. And there's a thing of yours we'll be coming back to at the end, which might fall into that category. But so far, the only outstanding things yeah. are that Spanish film that was mentioned in mine, Jack Rayner's ITV children's drama about the, the cannibalism metaphor. I think that's it. I think everything else... We're pretty much identified so hopefully somebody will know what these are called or send me a box (laughs) of
1: them you know I mean I know they'd be all stiff and brittle like the football cards by now yeah don't send us any football 78 no 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 no. no.
0: (laughs) your last choice though very definitely did exist because I had this and I remember playing it but here's an advert that introduced the character look
1: out it's clumsy Colin easy skip car Skips. Light, delicate corn fries with a subtle prawn cocktail flavour. Wow, that Clumsy Colin. He'd drop anything such as K.P. Skips.
0: When you feel like something dainty, have a skip. Okay, well that was Clumsy Colin advertising K.P. Skips. We're actually going to be talking about K.P. Skips Action Biker with the ZX Spectrum, Commodore 64 and I think the Amstrad.
1: So, Michael, good gameplay or bad gameplay? When I was a kid, in the newsagent, do you remember? Because, I mean, this is the thing, innit? You know, Clumsy calling the game, would have been about three quid. And that's the thing about it. Most computer games, Mm. even then, were probably about 30 quid in the eighties. Mm. However, news agents used to have one of those revolving stands in them and you could yeah. get these games on them like ghouls and ghosts and all that. they the were 1985,
0: the day after was I, always on there. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and one of them was the Clumsy Colin game. So I took it home and I remember it had the top gear theme on it, but done with the sound chip. So it was like <laughs> me and he'd be going along like and and I was absolutely garbage at it. And obviously you'd play with keys on the computer, mm. wouldn't you? Yeah. now I remember Nicholas Hilton who we went to school with he had a spectrum and he had the Clumsy Colin game yeah. and it was entirely different yes
0: I was going to mention it was sort of flat on the spectrum but yeah. like, isometric on everything else Yeah, because that was the big craze at the time wasn't it the 3D game that's it
1: so no I mean I spent hours playing it I loved it as to whether it's a decent game or not I'm sure that it wouldn't stand up very well next to Red Dead Redemption 2 but <laughs> uh, I mean I spent hours playing on it and Well that was the boring thing with them bloody tape games as well when it used to get Mm. to the end and click and you were like, yeah bastard so you'd try and load it again and again and again My mum's boyfriend at the time the man they called Barry he brought a Commodore 64 round to curry favour with me and my mum, obviously. So I got the benefit of that because them things were properly expensive, weren't yeah, they? Yeah. You know, I don't know how much the specy was, but I know it was a lot cheaper. It was. It was a different world. I mean, certainly a different world to me. I mean, the nearest I ever got to a computer prior to that was the teacher allowing us in the computer room to watch the Murray Rose being brought yes. out of. Uh... We saw that in school as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. You got, you got. I got to go in the computer room. Now the thing I remember about that
0: was that Prince Charles assisted on the mm. the dat- and he didn't he find I don't know, I don't know whether it was a genuine scholar or it was like an ornament they had on the ship, but I remember being interviewed on the news. He said, like, yeah. "This my pal Booney. Yeah, or something you know. It will have been
1: put like there far in <laughs> one. You know what I mean? And he yeah. didn't
0: even say alas, poor Yorick. That's no. how unfunny. It is. No, of course not.
1: Imagine <laughs> he was obsessed with the goons, wasn't he? You ever seen them? Not to the films? point of actually being funny, though. No, oh, no, oh, absolutely not. No, 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 no.
0: Yes, that RAF training
1: film that's yeah. the one that's the one i watched Why? <laughs> i watched an raf training film by windsor davis this morning it's really?
0: terrible <laughs> absolutely terrible in the best way i don't remember this having anything particularly to do with skips or even really with clumsy colin he was a biker in the advert it was a cartoon wasn't it. he yeah. with a leather yeah. on
1: hair, and glasses yeah Is that right yeah because i get confused with that seven up fella now Oh uh, Fido died. Fido died. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I loved the adverts, mm. and so the game was just a no-brainer, wasn't it? You're having it. I tell you something that not many people do remember, but you might remember. Mm. Speaking of crossovers from TV and stuff like that, do you remember the British Gas Will o the Wisp comic that with the waste fuel family in it? Yes. You remember that? I, I, I do, knew you yeah. remember that.
0: It wasn't it something like there was a competition we had to identify all the ways they'd wasted energy? Yeah, like
1: loft insulation and, and stuff. And there was
0: one I couldn't agree on, where a kid left the airing cupboard open while he t- took a towel yeah. and said, mm, nice and soft, and I thought, that's not really wasting fuel because it would be on anyway. And he yeah. was just going into the house. we yeah. so obviously meant to put that down. Yeah. I, thought, I can't do this on moral grounds. In the bin.
1: Yeah. But I remember they were on racks in Dingsdale's because Dingsdale's <laughs> sold Caligas and by Bicycles mm. and S.O. Blue, and they'd be on a rack. Then I'm like, "Wow, yeah. Free Will or the Wisp comic." And you got it on me like, "This is shite. Yeah, it nothing was... happens in it.
0: The moog wasn't in it. No, so. no, no.
1: <laughs> well, Clumsy Colin was. We had that archetype, didn't we? I mean, in the same uh, vein as Kenny Everett's Sid Snot. Sid Snot. Sid Snot. Yeah, yeah. It was the same thing. You know, you had that alliteration yeah. again. So it was kind of a sanitised kids' version of Sid Snot. Yeah. So yeah, a much more innocent time. <laughs> a much, much more innocent time. Well, just before you go, we've got one more thing for that
0: much more innocent time that I'm stumped by this, and it sounds like you are too.
1: So, this book about a purple walking house. Yeah, yeah. This this bothers me on many levels. We used to go to a place called the Boundary Road Baths in Par, uh, which is near St. Helens, and that was uh, a thing that you know it was the only swimming baths for miles. So we'd go there, and for some reason, me mum. Bought me because I loved Mister Men, Mm. and you know when we were kids there was what twenty six Mister Men or something, something like that. Because you remember the old ones with Thurman Publishing on the back would have like like twelve of them, and then you got the newer ones, and the whole back cover was covered in them. Right, so I had all them, and I loved them. I used to draw them endlessly, Um, and then there was them Tim Book two books he did as well. Do you remember that? And they weren't as good, so I couldn't get into them. So my mum got me this thing with, like, a purple-looking Mr. Man thing in it that a kid had drawn. So it was a purple thing, and I remember in one of the squares, it ate a house, and its stomach was shaped like a house, you know, with a little chimney and all, and all that sort of thing. And that's it. I don't remember any more beyond that. I have no idea what it is. And, again, I haven't got it, so I can't... uh, I can't really verify this claim.
0: The only thing I can suggest is it might be one of the amazing monsters, which we could have could, been the one yeah. we did with Mark Thompson. But I can't think of any of them that fit it with right. no seating. Yeah. No, no. I,
1: I, I really can't. It was like a Mr. Men. Mm. Like I say, it was all that sort of artwork with uh, marker pens and stuff like that. But beyond that, No. I'm stumped. There it is. Hang
0: on, we've just done some live googling and it is Amazing Monsters The Tricky Troggle. Now. Wow. What's it called? The Tricky Troggle. The Tricky Troggle. <laughs> well, bloody hell. Yeah. I remember that clock. Webfoot, yeah. Well, one of our former guests is now fuming because she couldn't have the tricky troggle because the Amazing Monster's already been in Mark's edition. So. Oh, right. So, okay Sorry, Emma, another black mark against
1: me. Yeah, <laughs> back, <laughs> via the back door, via me. Well done. <laughs> well done. That yeah. is it,
0: precisely. Oh, I'm so pleased. Well, if you want to copy, you're still available on Amazon. So. Well,
1: yeah. really? Yeah. Well, bloody hell, yeah. Look, yeah. there he is. <laughs> Look at that. So what was amazing? Yeah, look, it's like the Mr. Men font, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. That is it. Wow. And on that brilliant note, that, that's the best end we've ever had. Fantastic, amazing, you? I'm so pleased. Michael, it's been brilliant, thank you. Likewise, nice. cheers Tim, thank yeah. you, a pleasure.
0: Can't help thinking about me by like Tim Worthington. A big book full of old articles given a new twist. Looking at how, and why, I ended up on the BBC News channel with a big caption saying, Clangers expert. More details, timworthington.org.